grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When teaching the Christian faith in in catechism classes for both uh, young and old, we examine numerous Bible passages. Usually we look at a couple of verses to support each Christian teaching. That way we know that the teaching is God's teaching and not merely man's opinion. The explanation of the small catechism, and I'm not referring to the what does this mean, that, that, that would be part of the small catechism, but the explanation which takes up the bulk of our small catechisms uh, printed today, that long section with hundreds of questions with their answers and hundreds of Bible passages to back, uh, back it all up, is filled with these types of verses to help show that what we teach comes from the Word of God. In fact, this explanation is a goldmine of Scripture references that are all nicely laid out and organized so that we can quickly find answers to our questions and biblical support for Christian teachings. So if we want to know more about where does the Bible teach the Holy Trinity, we can go to the creed section in the catechism and there we'll find numerous passages to show how God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one God, three persons. Or if we want to see more about Jesus, who is God from eternity and becomes man in his incarnation and now remains true God and true man, we can look in the creed section under the second person of the Trinity, Article 2, and we can learn more there. Or if we want to learn more about forgiveness toward our neighbor, we can look at the fifth petition in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and we will find a number of Bible passages which show that and teach the forgiveness that we are to have toward our neighbors. Now, one criticism of having just a verse or two verses printed to back up a Christian teaching is that it can be easy to take Bible passages out of context. For example, I heard one of our previous national presidents try to assert his Christianity and make it clear that we are to help others, citing the Bible saying that we are our brother's keeper. Now, it is true, we are to help others. The scriptures teach us much about that. But the only time the Bible uses the language of being our brother's keeper is after Cain killed his brother Abel. The Lord then visited Cain and asked him, where is your brother? And Cain flippantly replied to God, saying, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? So perhaps we should avoid the language of being our brother's keeper if we are trying to prove our Christian identity or one of the purposes of being a Christian. Today's gospel is also taken out of context quite frequently. In fact, a friend shared an image with me depicting the way today's gospel is commonly read. It showed the text of our entire gospel reading 
and everything was crossed out on the whole reading except for two words, the words, you can probably guess, judge not. It's quite ironic that this passage is often taken out of context, misapplied and misinterpreted, especially when Jesus asks, can the blind lead the blind? And then says, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your neighbor's eye. For when we close our eyes to everything that Jesus says around the words, judge not, we will almost certainly acquire a false understanding of what Jesus is truly teaching here, becoming blind, and then if we want to teach others what we feel that we've been enlightened and know, then we could possibly be then leading the blind. We often treat these words of, of Jesus that he teaches us here as an excuse to just keep on sinning. We feel that we can use these words of Jesus as leverage against anyone who says that we need to repent and turn from this or that sin. We figure that this is the get-out-of-jail-free card or it's the way in which we can just be let alone because isn't that what Jesus means when he says, judge not? And then we begin to defend our sinful choices, saying things like, who made you judge? Or you're not perfect either. You have no right to be telling me any of this. Now, it is true, none of us are perfect. But that isn't the point. And Jesus isn't teaching that we are to be perfect before we can then tell our neighbor the difference between right and wrong. The scriptures clearly state that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are righteous, no, not one. But yet, we do have a place and a time where we can tell people the word of God. So it is true that and it's also sometimes true that others are not to be our judges. There are times and places for this, correct contexts. In fact, this is a matter of jurisdiction, that God places certain people in authority and gives them the right to judge others. Perhaps the most obvious is in the home. Parents have authority over their children and can judge them. Parents do it all the time as they correct bad behavior and as they, as they work to model good behavior for their children. No child can rightly respond to their parents' correction saying, don't you remember the words of Jesus? He said, judge not, you can't tell me what to do. Because parents have the God-given right to discipline their children and to tell them the distinction between right and wrong, and to teach and instruct and admonish and, and rebuke. In the same way, teachers have authority in their classrooms, pastors in their congregations, law enforcement and judges in the civil society. In fact, teaching what is right and wrong is not even judging. Telling people a sin is a sin because God says it's a sin is not judging. We are not judging when we simply teach the Ten Commandments. 
We are, however, judging when we prescribe punishments for sin, and that's what and and therefore we only do that when we are granted the proper jurisdiction if we are placed in authority for it. So if you tell others what the Bible says like don't fornicate or don't steal or don't gossip and they say judge not in a feeble attempt to let themselves off the hook, you may reply saying, well, I am not judging here. What I'm doing is repeating to you the word of God. And I'm doing so because I myself am repentant. I am pleading guilty of my own sins, of which there's many, and I care about you. I want you to enjoy the freedom Christ Jesus gives when he releases you of your sin by forgiving you and reconciling you to God our Father. I want you to turn from your sins so that you are now on that path to eternal life. And when that is our Christian mindset, when we are approaching others with repentant hearts, and we are then seeking that our brothers and sisters in Christ also have repentant hearts. What this is, is it's an exercise in mercy, which is how Jesus begins our gospel reading today. When we're busy, launching all sorts of condemnations against our neighbor because we don't like them or what they've done, we are not being merciful, nor do we have the right to be doing that. We are clearly then violating what Jesus says here. Now, Jesus, of course, is the very merciful one. Because when God saw us in our sinful condition with no way for us to reconcile ourselves to our Father or to atone for our many sins, Jesus he accepted the responsibility for all of our sin. He bore our sin in his body and he paid for them all when he went to the cross and died on our behalf. Jesus, he shed his innocent blood as the ransom payment for our sin. He has now redeemed us so that we are viewed by our Father in heaven as blameless. God now credits us with the very righteousness of Jesus so that we appear before our Father as holy and righteous despite our many sins. And because of this, he has opened the gates of heaven to us. Jesus counts us as his brothers and sisters. We have been adopted into God's family through the waters of holy baptism, and he delights in receiving us as members of his family. All of this is done through the mercy of God despite our sinful nature and despite our constant sinning and rebelling. There is no one more merciful than our Lord. And yet, our Lord will come back on the last day. And what does Jesus say he will do on that last day? What do we call that last day? He will judge on judgment day. So the very one who said judge not will be our judge. Does that make Jesus a hypocrite for saying one thing and then doing another? Of course not. For our Lord's judgments are not only just, but they are also way beyond fair. The judgment we all deserve for our sin is that we are guilty and that we should spend an eternity in hell. That's what we deserve for our sin. 
But because Jesus accepted the responsibility for all of our sin, because Jesus paid for all of our sin on the cross, now the judgment that Jesus will render toward us Christians is that we will be innocent. He will declare us Christians not guilty. That is truly an act and work of mercy. That truly shows us what it means to be merciful. This also helps us understand what Jesus says when he declares condemn not and forgive. Jesus will not condemn anyone who becomes a child of God through baptism and remains a member of God's kingdom through faith. Jesus forgives all who belong to Christ's church. And so we follow suit by forgiving our brothers and sisters. Instead of lashing out at others because they may have hurt us, we have mercy on them. We have mercy by condemning them not and by forgiving them. We find ourselves, though, judging frequently in various uncharitable and unmerciful ways. I've heard many times after people have watched the perhaps the 10 o'clock news, and they hear of some person who has committed some heinous crime. And the response is, well, I sure hope God has reserved a special place in hell for that person. But that is exactly the kind of judging that Jesus forbids. We have no jurisdiction over them. And instead of being quick to condemn them, judging them to hell, we should be busy praying for their conversion to Christianity. We should, instead of being ready to criticize them, we should be ready to pray that they will repent and be added into the household of faith. Now, another area that judging often happens is when people search for a new church home. If they move and are looking for a church home, People enter into that church and they're already judging everything. They're judging the way the building looks. They're judging the way the congregation treats them. They're judging the way in which the pastor greets them or or things like that. But really what God would have us do is not judge on many of these superficial things, but instead judge in another way. How is the word proclaimed? Is the law and gospel rightly divided? Is God's word proclaimed in its truth and purity? For God has made it the responsibility of you as Christ's sheep to judge your shepherd, to ensure that you are hearing the word proclaimed to you purely and rightly. And then to be merciful if you find something that is in error, to address the pastor, so that he can be corrected. Now, often our judgments are not rooted in mercy. Yet at the same time, we often want others to overlook our own faults and failures. And that's why Jesus continues in his sermon as recorded in Luke 6 by proclaiming a parable. He asks that question, can the blind lead the blind? what, What person who cannot see because he has a plank in his eye is of use to the next person who cannot see because he has a speck in his own eye. How can the blind, the man blinded by the plank lead the man blinded by the speck? As Jesus says, they will both fall into a pit. 
And that is what often happens. Instead of seeking guidance by God's word, many are looking to the world for their source of truth. When they see the world accepts cohabitation or just unconditional divorce and same-sex marriage and abortion, cross-dressing and a whole host of other things, they figure that they are now enlightened, that they see clearly the way it ought to be. Many churches even think they are led by the Holy Spirit when they depart from the Bible on these various teachings and, go, and or adopt other false doctrines such as, as denying the creation account or the flood account or teaching falsely on who may become pastors or who can come to the communion rail. But they have become blind, being led by the blind. Whenever we want to make claims which are contrary to the scripture, perhaps claiming that we're now in the 21st century, we are really expressing how blind we become because if we appeal to society or current trends of thought and not at the Bible as the basis for our beliefs, we are being led by the blind. We should never consider ourselves enlightened because we have learned the ways of the world. For the world is in darkness and only the word of God truly illuminates us. We learn what is sinful in the Bible and we learn what is truly good in the Bible. For the Bible is God's word and it constitutes the sole source of any legitimate Christian teaching. The clarity which God provides in the Bible is exactly what we need. For without the gospel, none of us could be saved. Without Jesus, none of us could be reconciled to God our Father. Without hearing of Christ's bleeding, dying love, none of us would know the true, merciful, forgiving nature of God. For instead, we would then all want to flee from our God. But through the clarity provided in the Holy Scriptures, we know that God is love, that he did send his only begotten son to pay for our sins, that he grants all who call upon him in faith eternal salvation, that we are rescued from sin and death, and that we are now covered with the very righteousness of Jesus by faith and declared innocent to receive eternal salvation and life. We learn of the true nature of God, that he is not ready to send us straight to hell, but that he wants instead and nothing more than to receive us into the gates of paradise. This is who your God is. He is love. He is the only God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he is present to bring every blessing to you. He hears your prayers and he will judge you as a Christian righteous on the last day. He takes all your sin away through Christ. Therefore, he truly is the merciful one. Thanks be to God. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.